Guys, welcome to the Physique Factory podcast. We host James and Connor. So, Connor, how are we doing? Not too bad at all, James. How's yourself? How's prep going for you? I'm getting by. I mean, like hunger and stuff like that. That's not really bothering me or anything like that. No cravings or things I'm asked about food. But the last week, I felt a bit of fatigue and a bit of um, tiredness. So, that's kicking in. Ninth week, it's up to get there. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask for you. Nine weeks in. Um, yeah, I'm nine, nine weeks in, nine weeks out. So literally, right. it's 18 week prep till my first show. Potentially got one more show earlier. All right, yeah. So if you're feeling ready, you're going to go for this other show. Yeah, I mean, it's a qualifier for the Arnolds, but it's two bros. So you literally can show up and just fucking, you know, you have the place and you're qualified. It's just all about money. Ah, <laughs> you just got to be there, right? Does it not cost a fortune to do those shows as well? Yeah, it's something like 140, 60, something like that. I have no idea. But, What's uh, that for? Just like entry to. The show, or is it like if you like? Because I know, like, when I do the BMBF, you've got to become a member of the BMBF, which I think costs like I could be wrong, it could have changed this since I last competed, but I'm sure it was like 35 quid, maybe 50 quid at the most. And yeah, then so, the show entry on top of that is like a tenner or something, it's nothing major. So, two bros is going to be a lot more expensive than that. Again, the entry that was around that fee, and then I'm not sure about the uh, the memberships. I need to look into it a little bit more. Um, I think it's roughly the same price per year. So, it's looking at like 250 to 300 for to do the, the regional, and then the Arnold's is just dope. Not to mention your tan, your, I suppose, like any supplements you use, um, you know, trunks, things like that. Like bodybuilding is actually an expensive sport. And then obviously travel to wherever the venue is, hotel for the night. Like it's an expensive sport, isn't it? Really expensive. I mean, I bought the board shorts because I'm doing men's physique and classic physique. So a bit of both. <laughs> We're going to chuck uh, you off the, the podcast now, James. That's not good enough. Yeah, Ben's bikini. Um, so I'm doing that and I'm doing classic, my first go at classic, but... The board shots I got, this from um, Chillaware in America, and two pairs, 160 quid. So it took about, it's about 45 quid import on top of that, or delivery, wherever it was. It's crazy, but just yeah. two pairs of shorts. That's a lot, to be fair. That's all. I think I got a pair of trunks from Iron Monkey, and they're like 20 quid. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to get those. They're from England, though. I mean, I'm going to get those ones from Iron Monkey for um, for classic physique posing and stuff. But yeah, um, these, these are like probably the best, like, Ben's physique shots, where to get them from. Obviously, they've just got to get shipped over from the States. So that's why. How come um, you don't want to just go like straight into bodybuilding or straight into classic? I feel a bit more confident with posing with Ben's physique. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just because I've done it before in the past, um, I feel like it's a bit easier and I am shit at posing. I've been practicing my bodybuilding poses and uh, yeah, it just, just feels unnatural to me. You know, I, I don't mean to both smoke up my own arse, but I say I'm quite good at bodybuilding posing. Right, nice. I've not even seen you pose properly. <laughs> nah, I don't suppose. Like, I've never competed since 2018, and I did do a prep in 2020, but like, just the way things went, I just had never ended up doing it. But I was like stage lean, I was ready to go. Um, but yeah, I just never ended up doing it. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not gonna lie, when I watched that BNBF show the other weekend, I was a bit, um, I was thinking, like, right, I just like prep and try and make the last show of the year, but um, yeah, then I need. Personally, I think I just need a lot more size, really, um, and a lot more kind of maturity. Some of the guys competed against, like, I don't know, they've just got this more maturity to their physique. They've been, yeah, they've been doing it for longer. Yeah. Um, and I just, I think, personally, I just need a bit more years underneath my belt. So, um, especially, like, um, well, well, any sort of bodybuilding, like, you've kind of got to spend the years building before you really start to 
you know, start to cut because uh, otherwise you're you're not going to have that kind of layer of muscle there that you need, are you? Um, so uh, with bodybuilding, I say there's no 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 need to rush anything. It's never going anywhere, is it? So it's like as long as you're progressing, that's the main thing. Yeah, that's it. Year by year, putting the muscle on and then see what it is. But the, I mean, like next year, I'm not I'm not going to compete. I'll probably have a year off, and then potentially it might be my last year at competing when I'm 29. Then I don't think I'll compete into my 30s. It just depends how I do this year and. I'd say yeah. 30s are like peak bodybuilding. 30s, even early 40s have got to be peak though for some people, no? Yeah, maybe other big guys, definitely. But um, <laughs> it's just how long you do it for without any terms like health and stuff. Well, there's that as well to, to consider. Um, if, but, you're, uh, like, if you're not a natural. <laughs> well, yeah, I, was, I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to throw you under the bus there. <laughs> <laughs> but like even doing it naturally, like getting that lean isn't isn't really healthy, is it? And, oh, and, no, like, it's- it's a lot of stress. And and not to mention, obviously, the things you've got to sacrifice to get there, um, you know, to get into that kind of shape, I suppose. And, and you know, the, the bodybuilding kind of lifestyle, you've kind of almost got to live like a monk to achieve it. Are you, I wouldn't say you completely have to, but, like, you end up being like that, don't you? You end up really regimented while you wake up times, bed times, meal times, things like that. And if anything throws you off, you end up just getting pissed off. That's it. I mean, it's like a it's a psychological thing as well. Um, you've got to literally sacrifice so much. Your friends are going out having meals. Um, your girlfriend wants a drink or something like that, and you've just got to learn to say no. I mean, when I very first started competing, when uh, it was like 2017, 18, and I really struggled, like really, really struggled, because I was still going out all the time, being social, all that sort of stuff, eating loads of shit. Um, and then I went straight into prep, and it was like from one extreme to the other. And that transition was yeah. so much different. Then as soon as I got like about halfway into prep, my head started going and was going around Morrison's smelling donuts, um, taking pictures of things <laughs> online. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like my head proper like fell off. But the four years I've been doing it for now in the off season, like obviously pushing up and doing mini cuts um, back down. I mean, this prep seems like so easy just because I've been doing the same thing, eating the same thing pretty much for four years. And I'm not bad been going out drinking. Um, literally, I've done that what once this year and a couple of times last year, so it's just like a social occasions, if anything. Um, obviously, yeah. not doing that on prep, but yeah, I mean, it's not there's not much change from it as well. So, I mean, your um, your lifestyle's changed to suit the, the, the diet essentially, hasn't it? Yeah, that's it. I mean, it, all it is is just oh. less calories. Well, that's it, but you're you're making a sacrifice by changing your lifestyle to get the result you want. and to be honest, like with people that we work with, people that aren't doing bodybuilding but want to like maybe, you know, change the way they look, a lot of the time they're not willing to do that. And like as, as much as we're all about like, you know, trying to find a good balance for our clients, you're going to have to be willing to give up some stuff. You don't need to give up everything like you're talking about, but you definitely do have to be willing to give up some stuff, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, look at it with like the people that we train, just um, the normal people. At the end of the day, they've got a job, they work. They're normal. They don't do bodybuilding. Yeah, no, no. I mean, normal. It's just the general population. They're not weirdos like us who just love getting in like next to nothing on the stage and tan and start squeezing our muscles. Um, That that can be what this podcast is called. Um, But yeah, (laughs) we need to look into that and think how strong is their why? Just because. We, when we take on a client like that, or maybe who, anyone who's like listening to this podcast, how strong is your why when you why, why you want the goal? 
pretty much because if you ever run into any obstacles like Connor was saying before if something fucks up as you're going along the way something doesn't go to plan and then your head falls off and then that's it the diet's out the window and you can't be asked going to the gym and then you just rebound and it's hard to get into it you just need um, to that why you need to be that strong you're not gonna fuck up well something that people can take from bodybuilders and people like yourself is the they always find a way. Like when you've been on prep, when I've been on prep, no matter what happens, you always find a way to make it work, don't you? And it's something we need to, I'd say we need to ingrain in our clients is like, no matter what the situation, there's always a way you can make it work. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I've, you know, I've done preps where I've been eating like a pretty restrictive diet and it's a means to an end. Like I'm happy to do that for, for a bodybuilding prep, but, um, you know, I've, I've been eating a restrictive diet and I've went abroad, I've went on holiday and things like that. I've, you know, went on city breaks and things like that and, like, went out meals with family and things like that. And you always find a way to make it work. Now, again, I'm not saying, like, you need to be as restrictive of that as that to just be a normal person looking to lose body fat. But there's definitely something you can take from that and the way that, you know, the why is so strong for, for us as bodybuilders that we make it work. And I suppose you need to get that same kind of attitude behind you if you're looking to lose body fat, even if it is um, just for general health sake or just to kind of change the way you look. You you still need to try and take some of that with you, don't you? You need to, you need to make it happen. Um, you can't just kind of sit back and, and hope that it's going to happen. You, you need to make sure it's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, that kind of leads nicely into, like, what kind of strategies do you use for clients then? So, like, take, taking away from the bodybuilding stuff, if you've got a client that does want to lose body fat, but they've got something coming up at the weekend or, you know, something like that, it's, how do you usually um, deal with that? What's your favourite way of dealing with that? Um, so, this this is a really good one. So, I was talking to one of my clients, Jack, today. He's done really well. He's lost about, like, 23, 24 kg. Um, and he's a DJ. So, he's, like, he's, he's doing really well with that. And he gets invited to places. And he says, I'm going to need to have a couple of drinks just to socialize with this other big DJ. So, yeah. we, so we worked it out. I was like, don't be having like lagers, pints, anything like that. Just switch it with uh, like a vodka and uh, diet Coke. And then in the week, we'll maybe like pull back some calories and you can have a couple of drinks at the weekend. And then we're not going to make room for it like that. So even if like a client was out having a meal, it wouldn't say it was just like Jack, but if we, if a client was out having a meal or there was someone's birthday or something like that, then you pull the calories back in the week. And then on that Saturday, potentially when it might be, then you have enough calories in the bank to average out the whole week. Yeah. So like, just as an example, say, say a client's calories were set at 2000 um, and roughly off the top of my head, let's try and make this work. Um, roughly you say you cut their calorie intake six days a week to 1,800, right? So that's 200 calories a day saved um, over five days there. Um, six days there, actually. There's seven days in a week. Um, so that would give them roughly about 3,000 calories to play with one day of a week, and then the average calories would still work out to 2,000 that week. Is that right? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly that's what it's like. I think it's the best way because then you've got the calories in the bank and you can spend those in like that meal or drinks or anything like that when you've got that social occasion or that occasion that you can't miss it's definitely a good way to do it that's for sure and uh, like I, I mean i use that quite a lot as well um and like a lot there like you know tracker sheets that we're using things like that they work out average calories automatically so that people can kind of see that and they can kind of see they can do that and um, the, the downfall for this is maybe like 
you might see a fluctuation in your weight after the high days, things like that. Um, but you, as long as you're prepared to see that, you know, that's fine because that'll just come from obviously increased carbohydrate intake and like if you are drinking and things like that, that's that's going to happen anyway. So it will just be like an increase in water retention. But um, yeah, you've just got to be prepared to see that, don't you? Definitely. Um, with, with that as well, like it doesn't need to be seven days. You can do that across two weeks. Um, I've heard people doing it across three weeks, even four yeah. weeks. I I've definitely not done it three or four, but yeah, no, two weeks is definitely like the line, isn't it? Well, I mean, I've read about it and I've heard about people doing it and that, but I've never actually done it myself, so I can't really, I can't really comment on the the kind of four week approach. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it'd have a similar kind of effect. But I suppose with averages, you can go to two extremes with that as well, can't you? Like you could, it, gets um, messy. it could get messy anyway. Yeah, I mean, especially if someone's got a like history of like binge restrict or something like that, you don't yeah. want to start getting into like you know if if, if again go back to this guy it's two thousand calories per day that's fourteen thousand calories per week essentially you could eat ten thousand calories in one day and then for the rest of the days you could have you know whatever you need to have to make up the rest of the four thousand you could really binge one day and really restrict yourself the next um six days and like you definitely don't want to get into that <laughs> well you just I, touched on something like briefly then say a client's achieved their result they dropped a load of weight um what would you do afterwards when they've got to that? So you, you sort of highlighted it then saying about like binging and things. That's something that we don't want, but what, what would you do after like a dieting phase with a client? So, but yeah, like when they've come to the end of like, again, if like, for example, they're dieting for a photo shoot or something like that or yeah. something like that. I think with that, it's like important to, I would always like say a meal then of, if you know what I mean, like go have something after almost it sounds terrible but almost have like a reward um mm. but then after that is is looking to i suppose it depends on the client themselves and what's going to be best for them but looking to bring them up to some sort of maintenance but it could be a case of using average calories like that so like you could give them days where they do get a little bit extra food um and, and days where they'd get a little bit less um but it's kind of, kind of calorie, uh, not calorie dependent, uh, client dependent, um, to be honest, and what their kind of behaviours are like around food. Um, I mean, there's always, especially if it's someone's first kind of like photo shoot or like even if they've done like a bodybuilding prep or something like that, there's always going to be that intention to like binge after it, isn't there? Yeah, they always literally, it's like an uncontrollable <laughs> urge just to eat and eat and eat. But that is so psychological. Um, you don't need that food, but you just because you've deprived yourself of that long, you just want to eat. You just got to realise that food's not going anywhere. Yeah, I think knowing what to expect as well at the end of it. Like if you can prepare them for what's about to come and the way they're about to feel and, you know, talk about with them how, how they think it's going to be best to handle it. I think that's probably going to be the best way, to be honest. Um, every, every client's going to be different that way. Some people, I've definitely seen some people do it and they're not really that bothered. They're like, yeah, I'll go have a meal or whatever and then I'll get back on plan tomorrow. And they do that. And then other people really struggle because, you know, if you've had this strong goal where it's like, right, I'm going to do this photo shoot or like even like say someone was dieting for like, I don't know, their, their wedding, to fit in their wedding dress or something like that. Um, you know, they've got this really strong why behind their goal and then all of a sudden there's nothing. There's and no it's why, like, that's it, it's gone. There's nothing to like work towards and then you might as well just get fat and then they start feeling absolutely awful because the conditions go in, they look like they're getting fat. And then that's when we run into a whole host of problems like the binge staffing. It That can even be like, I remember when I when I first did my prep um, 2017, 
after I did my show, I was like binging and loads of shit. I literally couldn't control it. And the next day I was like starving myself, jumping on the treadmill, doing like two hours, and like trying to like fucking burn it off. But it just psychologically, I was fucked. Yeah. I think everyone is after that first prep as well. But if you've yeah. got like a coach that understands and can warn you of what's going to come, then you can definitely talk about them, uh, talk about how to handle that with them. Um, otherwise, if you, if you just get kind of left on your own, it's just a bit like, shit, what did I do here? Um, I'm, I'm, the, the reins are off almost. Like a good example would be um, like one of my clients dieted for a holiday very recently. And I said to him, I was like, right, we're actually going to up calories for a few days before you go to the airport or anything like that because the last thing I wanted was him turning up to the airport and being like, this is a free-for-all. The, the reins are off. I can just go absolutely mental, tan 10 pints and uh, you know have a burger and chips or whatever. Like I wanted him to feel a little fuller going into that. I didn't want him to go to the airport feeling hungry and just feel yeah. like it's a free-for-all. But to be honest, um, he wasn't that type of client that would do that anyway. He's, he's a very uh, like much stick-to-the-punk kind of guy, so it wasn't really an issue, but I was still... I still wanted to account for that just in case that's kind of what happened because uh, I know I've certainly been in that position before where I've like dieted for a whole day or something. I've got to the airport. I'm like, right, the reins are off. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> turn up, turn up on holiday. We're like all like swollen up. Then <laughs> <laughs> <Bend> you're up. <laughs> Watery mess. <laughs> Impact steep. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely but um yeah it's, it's it's one of those things it's just knowing what to expect isn't it and then having a plan to combat that and whatever's whatever's going to work for you but um so that was your first trip you you done that James like what about the second one do you manage that a bit better uh, well the second one yeah definitely I mean it was totally different I mean it was still a bit like if it was still not the best what I, what I wanted it to be, but it was a lot better than the first one. Um, like I recovered from it in like two or three weeks. Like the first one took me about like two months just to get my head around being back to normal again. And yeah, with, was, with my bodybuilding prep though as well. Like if you're super super lean and like all your kind of you know hormones are kind of a low base and things like that, and like as a male, like you like lose like your sex drive and things like that, don't you? So it's like I think sometimes like again so this is how much it depends on the situation if you really took it that far and you're really really lean and you've done like a show or something personally i think getting back to normal as soon as possible is actually probably the best thing in terms of like a, at a hormonal level so like you get people that'll do, do like this reverse diet and where it's like they creep back up and um, from like a bodybuilding prep where they've been super lean and for me that's just prolonging the dieting phase that's just a waste of time i would rather you know, jump the calories up, take a little bit of fat gain, but start to feel normal again. Personally. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's that psychological thing. I'd definitely rather do that. I mean, I always, straight after dieting phase with clients, they always throw in like five to about 500 to a thousand calories into the diet straight away. You know, on both the yeah. training days and non-training days, you're doing both like that. Um, but yeah, just to make getting them needs feel hungry and they're not going to go and binge. Yeah, well, that's it. If you give them higher calories, at least it sets some sort of limit on it. Whereas if you try and restrict them too much and then they do go off, do go off plan, there's no limit there, is there? They can yeah. go as wild as they want. They're like, ah, fuck it. I went off plan. <laughs> that's it. You know, and that's that's when we start getting like, again, like you say, that kind of binge restrict sort of thing or potentially anyway. Um, but yeah. Um, again, like going back to like some of the, the things you, you'll use with a client. Like, so we talk about average calories. Is there anything else we'd use with a client like rather than average calories? Um, it totally depends on the client, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes some of the clients just they don't want a meal plan and they want like set macros and 
um, because they can't be asked like weighing out things or anything like that. And they'd rather like use my fitness pal, scan something. So I'd, I'd set the macros like for each day, macros and calories, and then they'd hit that or, you know, and try and fit them into it and just whatever, whatever worked for them. But and then obviously like... Um, you'd, you'd still be kind of averaging calories at that though, wouldn't you, if you were doing yeah. that? Yeah, and some sometimes it's just as simple as asking them to make better choices. So, like going back to what I said earlier, like what we can take from bodybuilders is it's just like you're going to have to sacrifice something for the goal that you want. So it's maybe just actually making a better choice when you go out for for food, or that's a great maybe place. saying no sometimes. Uh, yeah, that, that that definitely is like a great place. That say you never tracked food before, you never thought about any of this like eating healthy stuff then just literally think about making the right choices and then you can like transition it into like a structured meal plan, macro plan, or like a MyFitnessPal approach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's easily done as well. Cause like, say, I mean, say you're on a fat loss diet and you're going out for a meal with your family at the weekend. Um, you don't really want to be that guy that's like trying to track it, my fitness pal or something like that. So it's like maybe sometimes just a case of simply looking at the menu in advance to figure, right, what can I pick here that's going to be more in line with my goals? Like if the goal is to lose fat, what can I pick that's going to be high in protein and more in calories? Like when, <laughs> what's it? a pizza is not going to be a good option, for example. But even some sort of, yeah, it's just it's just knowing, isn't it? And learning. Yeah, definitely. And it comes with experience as well, doesn't it? Definitely, just knowing you, you you just wouldn't eat a block of cheese drenched in olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely would not. <laughs> did you not? Um, did you not say you had a had a client that had been doing that? They were like cooking everything in olive oil. Oh, it's the, it's the little things like that. This is like a really good example when the um, when you don't really know. Instead of like using like fry lights or cooking things in the air fryer or just the oven. Um. If you're like frying things in oil, then obviously each gram of oil is going to be like nine calories of well nine grams of fat, and it's going to be nine calories is going to be fat. So it's going to add additional calories in there without even like eating it or filling up that volume. So it's just a waste of calories in the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's something that you notice. It's almost like hidden calories, if you want to call it that. Yeah, it's um, it's just pointless calories, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would say so as well. Like, um, I rarely rarely cook with oil unless it's something that really really needs it but um yeah it is, it is kind of pointless calories to be honest um but yeah the, the big thing is as you say like some people just don't realize they have to track that or like don't realize it's got calories in it as well so <laughs> the realization of that is a, is a big thing because that can add a shit ton of calories onto your week like if you're using oil to cook like three meals a day like okay most let's, people let's work that out. so if someone's using let's say they're using What's a normal amount of oil? About five, five mil, say, ten mil. Say five to ten mil, yeah. Right, so let's go ten mil. So that'd be times nine. And if you've got, say, four meals, times that by four. So that's going to give you another three hundred and sixty calories on top of your day without even thinking about it. That's crazy. Always, always good if you're trying to gain weight. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. No, you don't really have to think about it then. I've, all, I've seen me putting olive oil in my chicken and rice when I've been like uh, trying to gain weight. Yeah, I mean, if it's like good fats, I mean, I don't really like seed oils too much. Olive oil is a bit better, but you know, the um, like seed seed oil and, yeah, things like that. I think they're not there's a bit of research behind it that says it's probably not the best, like towards like health markers and stuff. So, 
yeah, yeah. Uh, um, again, as I say, like yeah, olive oil or something like that, or oodles oil. Have you ever used that? What's that? Oodles oil. Oodles oil. Oodles like U D O. Never <laughs> used like, um, No, well, it's not like a cooking oil, but it's like um, a blend of like omega threes and sixes and everything. It's like a really kind of healthy blend oh, of cute. fats. And you like take a, take a, like a spoonful of it, and it tastes disgusting, but it's it's good for your heart, like, oh. um, but very good for you. But um, again, it's quite a handy food if you are trying to gain weight. We went from like fat loss to like weight gain here. Eh? <laughs> but um, again, it's it's worth talking about. Like um, like so when you're pushing up, let's just like move on to this now. When you're pushing up, like trying to push your calories up, and you're like trying to gain weight, um, what what some of the methods you like to use for that? Like when things are starting to get tough. Um, so I got up to pretty much 6,000 calories in the off season last time. So, so I'm was, the right man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a bit of food, but for me, it's things like, like gnocchi. I mean, a switch like with potato and, oh, it's so good gnocchi. I mean, anything me, but it's like a potato dumplings and it's just the, the volume's a little bit smaller. It's more denser in calories and then things like bagels, jam, cereal gets a bit much, but I think I can tolerate about up to 200 grams per meal. Um, so that was about like that was post workout, rice crispy bars. Uh, I could still eat oats, so it wasn't too bad. Um, dark chocolate again, that's pretty dense in calories. Um, Go, going back to the knock, what did you actually eat that with? Uh, chicken, just like not chicken though. Like, do you put some sauce on that? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, still put sauce in everything now, but yeah, I, yeah, can't eat that. It's dry as fuck. Yeah, well, what kind of sauce would you have with that? Mm. Like passata, I mean, I was using like a passata sort of thing. Obviously, that was all, it was only about like thirty calories, but who cares? I was trying to gain weight. I'm I'm gonna have to try it. Like, oh, it's good. It's good. You can get like loads of different ones. You can get like um, a pesto knocky and loads of random shit, but it's it's cool. Yeah, yeah. cool. And um, I'm thinking about um, trying um, HR Labs to do like a weight gainer thing called uh, Eat Up. That's it's like. like- yeah, that's what Danny's got. It's, um, it tastes like shit, apparently. Well, does it? I've never tried it yet, but I thought about trying it. Yeah, Danny, Danny said it didn't taste the best, but the, the pre-workouts oh, yeah. are awesome. They're, they're awesome, them. They, they taste really good, but it just it wasn't um, the nicest tasting shake. Liam, if you're listening to this, Danny says that your stuff tastes like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drop, drop some in the shit there. <laughs> but, um, no, I'm, I'm thinking about trying it because, like, for me, it's more like I'm trying to eat like roughly about like 4K, which isn't a massive amount. But like if I have my breakfast and then I've got like, say, like lunch and then I've got like maybe another meal after that and then I'll have like dinner with my missus, I kind of need stuff in between that. So I've been having like protein bars and things like that in between. But um, I was doing like six full meals a day, but I just, I, so it was like a shit excuse, but I, I do not have time for it. Like it's, it's easier to like get something that I can just quickly drink. Um, so I thought of trying to make my life a little bit easier by doing that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I suppose again, with anything diet-wise, it is just a case of finding what's easier for you and what's the what's going to be easiest for you to stick to. Because no matter what you're doing, whether you're gaining weight or whether you're losing weight, it's like adherence is going to be the biggest thing. So if you can find some sort of plan that you can stick to and you can stick to it for long enough to kind of reach the goal that you want to get to. Well, that's, that's the most important thing. James has just sent me a message on chat saying, carry on talking. I need, and then nothing. 
I don't know what he needs. Hopefully, he's just for a piss and he's, he's only going to be a couple of minutes. You might come back to this podcast in half an hour and James will be completely gone. <laughs> but yeah, he is he is definitely not back there. And I'm, I'm running out of things to talk about without him now. <laughs> James, come back. Come back. But um, yeah, so going back to what I was on there, yeah, adherence is going to be is going to be the most important thing. And no matter what you're doing diet-wise, it's, it's, it's a case of making something that you can adhere to, really. Um, and what that may look like for you might look totally different to some what someone else's ideal diet would look like. There he is, he's back. I'm he's back. came back. Okay. <laughs> I, I was saying, uh, you just chat there, it's like, carry on talking, I need. And like, left oh, me in the Oh, I didn't finish it, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm like, what happened to Could have been anything. <laughs> I, I know, that's what I was saying. I was like, hopefully it's just a piss and he's um, back within a couple of minutes and it's not like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> need help I can't, believe, I can't believe you just left me there I was just like fuck what did I talk about <laughs> well, you don't I was, I was like, on your own yeah but I was going to talk about in that one we just wing these ones we do we literally just hop on zoom and like five minutes before we're like what are we going to talk about today yeah, we just and walk just start... and then we just you just get don't know absolute random shit yeah Random shit with James Connor. <laughs> That's what we call. That's another thing that we could call this podcast: random shit. Random shit with James Connor. <laughs> so anyway, so where were we anyway? <laughs> I, I just started talking about like uh, adherence, really, and like the biggest thing with, with diet is going to be having something you can adhere to. Yeah, definitely. I think with uh, with our clients, we can. What we can definitely say is, we need to set those expectations out from the start, thinking like how well you adhere to the plan means how good results you're going to get. Just because you, if you don't stick to your plan, then your expectations need to be lowered in terms of the result because we're not going to achieve that. We're not doing what we were required to do to get to that end uh, end goal. Well, that's it. But um, at, at the same time as well, if the plan's not right, that's when you've got to talk to your Yeah, I mean, if, if it doesn't work for them... Yeah, that's it. If it doesn't work for them, then you need some feedback from the client. But if the client you just, if the client you'll just be saying, speaking oh, to yeah. your clients, James, and you'll What's be saying, that? look, you're speaking to your clients, James. You're about look, this this plan isn't working for me. There's no, if you're not going to eat Noki, you're off the team. Oh, I know. You need to like Noki. <laughs> that's a, a prerequisite for working with James. If you don't like Noki, you're you're not. In. <laughs> <laughs> the right. knocking chicken diet plan breakfast knocking yeah. chicken well yeah I mean like if, if the client doesn't stick to the plan then obviously you, you need to find out like if it's working for them but if they just come back to you and say oh yeah it's perfect and the weight's still not dropping or it's still not increasing whatever we want then we just need to look at I don't know how well they're adhering to it and somehow yeah. find out if they are or not that's that's the first thing you'd look at like, if, if, if a client wasn't losing like if they're trying to lose body fat and nothing was happening, but they said they're completely sticking to the plan. What first thing you do? Then I just I you just see how low the calories are and how low you've set them off and what they've been on because sometimes you can't lie about not losing weight on the calories with what they'd be on. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it just it totally depends. More often than not, I mean, you've probably been in a situation, I've definitely been in it, where it's like someone's not losing weight, they're sticking to the plan, and you're like well, you fucking would be losing weight on that. Unless yeah. there's something seriously yeah. wrong, you should be losing weight on that. 
I mean, it's come up, it's, it's happened before me when I've literally put clients through like intolerance tests, hormone tests, um, loads of stuff like that, like PCOS. And it's amazing, amazing how far they would take a lie. Yeah, I mean, it's still not, I was like, it's still not losing weight, it's still not losing weight. And I'm like, you should definitely be losing weight. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, all the tests come back like negative and I'm like, hmm, there's something going on here. <laughs> I, I'm really, really low, uh, really, really low based on metabolic rate. <laughs> that's it, yeah, that's it. You're literally 900 calories BMR. <laughs> I, or nine. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's what happens. Like any, anyone that's like, thinking about becoming a, a PT or an online coach. The, the biggest thing that got me at first, I was very, very naive about this, but people lie to you. Mm. They will lie to your face repeatedly about sticking to their plan. And like you said, that's how far you can take it. You can, you can take them for all these tests and that to make sure everything's good. And they will still stand by their lie. And like, I suppose a big take home for that is if you're a client of someone's, talk to your coach, tell them the truth. Because if we don't know what's going on, all we can do it's guess. Exactly. And then just be honest, because then we, we know what to do at the end of the day. We can't just wing it. And the thing is, if you haven't been sticking to your plan, that's when you can actually like try and navigate it and try and figure something out. But um, if your coach doesn't know you're not sticking to your plan, well, then there's not, nothing that can they can really do about it. Exactly. Um, I mean, I think the thing with our coaching, why it's so good is the all, all the things that we track, like the sheets. That talking, we talking us up here, James. And, uh, no, I mean, this is just a good Our example. Our is fantastic. Yeah, I was saying like, what we do is the feedback is better than your average coach because we use Loom. We do, I might as well just sell this, but it's just that you sort of like slotted in nicely. Um, the feedback that we give, the actual the process that we do using the sheets in terms of check-ins, the, the trackers and all that sort of stuff. We even get people to like video exercises, fire them over. So our coaching is a lot more advanced. Well, I, I wouldn't use the word advanced, but it's very detailed compared to other coaching um, out there. Just like slagged every other coach in the world off right now. <laughs> <laughs> we've been through shitloads of courses we've got the knowledge and we know how to apply it with clients and we get the results so that's it but well, I, suppose, I suppose what we've got on to now is like what's happened what do we do when we don't get the results and like let's not let's not bullshit it like there definitely is clients that don't get results and you can give them all the tools you can give them the, the best tracker sheets in the world you can give them the best like nutrition plan in the world suited to them the best kind of like training program in the world and if we're not getting that adherence you're not going to get a result and that's what you can you can lead a horse to water but you can't teach him to drink or make him drink or whatever the saying is yeah but um one one thing i like to do like the first kind of protocol is like right this client isn't losing weight they claim they're sticking to their plan the first thing i actually do is food photos and any clients that have had this from me well i've suspected you of something <laughs> but um so i'll get them sent food photos and like if they're using my fitness pal for example or if they've got a meal plan or whatever I'll compare what they've sent me to what they should be on. And like, you know, I've, I've been doing this long enough. I can eyeball what hundred grams of chicken looks like. I can eyeball, you know, a few hundred grams of potatoes or whatever. So you can pretty much look at what they're eating. You can look at their food diary. You can look at their plan and be like, that's not right. So that's always a good way. But the, the downfall with that is I always wonder, it's like if when I ask them this stuff, like they've obviously got time before the next meal. So they could just eat really good for a few days while they do that. And then, like, you know, bend it off as soon as they stop sending me pictures. So that's the downfall of that. But that's kind of the first thing I do. And then that's where you might find, like, wait a minute, is that chicken cooked in oil? 
all right, you've been cooking it in oil this whole time. You weren't meant to do that. Um, but, there so, you go. but yeah, I mean, it's something like, and um, we mention it at our welcome pack as well, don't we? Like all things like that should be tracked. But I know people can miss these things, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, it's things like that. It's just little things. Um, like I said, said earlier about one of my clients using oil with everything, but like it says in the, the welcome pack, how to cook all your foods and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Alcohol is a big one as well. It's like, just had a few drinks, never really, yeah. never tracked it. <laughs> and then some people just say, oh yeah, there's there's no alcohol, there's no calories in spirit. Some of that, mm, it's roughly about 50 calories per shot and that's just a single, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, the thing with drinking as well is like, I've had some clients that have like, I've looked at their food diary and it's like 10 vodkas. And it's like, if I had 10 vodkas, I would not be remembering how many vodkas I had. Like, maybe, maybe I'm a bit of a light. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, if, you know, if I was actually drunk, I would not be remembering what was happening. And um, so, you know, how can you be, I mean, fair play to them for trying the rest. Um, but and I'd always overestimate. The, what about the takeaway at the end of the night after the vodkas? <laughs> Are you just on about me, James? Are you on about clients? I'm just on about in general. You definitely get the takeaway. <laughs> smart, aren't you? You're, you're just like Connor. You look like the kind of guy that would be uh, at the kebab shop straight after <laughs> the club. <laughs> Feeling abuse at people outside the kebab shop, pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there before the club even shuts. I'm like, fuck this club. I'm going for a kebab. <laughs> I would rather waste the calories on food than alcohol, for sure. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> that makes us a couple of sad acts, like, but I would definitely rather waste the calories on, on food. Imagine, like, a bottle of vodka, right? I don't know if that's a normal amount for someone to drink in a night out. I'm that out of touch with drinking, but... Yeah. Um, right, so a litre of vodka, right? Say you drunk that. That's a lot, to be fair. Half a litre. How many calories? Half a litre. Fuck it. Are you a heavy drinker? <laughs> <laughs> Does, do you not have that every night? I thought, like, we all you know, had half a, half a bottle of vodka a night. <laughs> Is that not normal? Just get you to sleep. Yeah, yeah, it works. I mean, it affects my ability to get into deeper stages of sleep, but I can definitely get to sleep. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, think about like half, uh, right, so a half litre of vodka. So 25 mil is like roughly, um, what, 50 calories you said. So yeah, that's about a shot, isn't it? Yeah. How good is my mass here? <laughs> 50 calories, 200 calories per 100 mil and 200 times. So that's a thousand calories. Yeah, shit. That's think what you could eat for that. That's crazy. <laughs> I think what you could fucking eat for that. That's like three, four for? meals. Yeah, that's well, three, four meals. I mean, depending. Maybe for you right that now, James. Is, yeah, at the moment, I'm on rabbit food. <laughs> what would your meals look like right now? Totally changing the subject here. Uh, they're not. I don't really take pictures of my food, but in fact, I'm going to do a full day of eating. I'll do that and upload it. But um, <laughs> not too, they're, they're literally not too bad. So I'm on like about cards <laughs> close to your chest. There, you're like, nah, I'm not telling you. <laughs> I'm on about like 50 grams of oats in the morning, um, 50 grams of whey, uh, dark chocolate, and then I'm on, fucking, I can't even fucking remember, um, just the usual body, I don't want to bore people, it's just the usual bodybuilding diet and shit, there's nothing, there's nothing like different or... Nah, there's some big right. secret to it, he doesn't want to tell you. Yes, it's steroids. <laughs> I have steroids for breakfast. Just, yeah, just steroids for breakfast. <laughs> and then I follow that with some more steroids. <laughs> yeah, every meal, steroids. That's it. That's how you get big. This, um, this podcast could take a dark turn right now. It is. It's going to, what, what are we even naming it? We've said this three times. It's got a different name three times now. Well, we might as well just got steroids for breakfast. <laughs> it's got steroids for breakfast. Um, 
<laughs> can't remember the other two for the gun. Yeah, I know. We've just chat, chatted a lot of shit for probably like a long time I think, now. Uh, so I think it's time to wrap that up. That's just been a ra- nutri- nutritional ramble in that one, hasn't it? Yeah, that was all right. It was cool. You finished recording it there? No. Oh.